I'm Erica Rivanoia, and I'm one of the lady writers. Peter Bainham, writer. Ant Hines, a producer and writer. Dan Swimer, writer. And this is Screenplay Breakdown. Thank you for joining, guys. This is really cool. I mean, I've never, you know, during the course of this whole podcast, we've only spoken to maybe two writers at a time. So it's cool to speak to four out of eight, right? There's eight credited. I think it's yeah, this nine. is this is 13% of the credited writers here. Now. I think wow. it's, uh, we have the Guinness record for longest um, movie title and longest <laughs> writer's credit. <laughs> it's, it's so, wow, it's so cool. Let's hope for uh, the Oscar, you know, they announce all your names on stage and it takes like two minutes, <laughs> the whole name. We're a model. We're a model for quantity over quality. That's our yeah, nice. that's, that's our business cool. model. Nice. I love it. Yes. If we if, if we were to win, if we were to win, that they would just reading out the the writers' names would then the, the music would just have to play them out. <laughs> There's no, there would be <laughs> no time for a speech, right? No time for a speech. Out on stage is a super spreader event. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in person. Is that right? I don't know. Uh, yeah. It is. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And if it isn't, are yeah. you are you guys going to get dressed up on the Zoom? No, it's in person. It's at a train oh, station. Train yeah. station. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Why, 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 yeah, a working train station. They haven't thought it through <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. So we have to bring luggage. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, so this movie, like I said, it's hilarious. It's crazy. Um, I got to ask, was there ever a moment for you guys writing this where you're like, we're going way too far. Like this is too much. That's kind of where you start really, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, um, sort of claw it back to not too far. I mean, at the end of, cause so we approach it in a sort of conventional way. So I, I think you write a conventional screenplay and then we have a table read and it works and blah, blah, blah. And then you realize that the act, the actors who sub in for real people at a table read have to be replaced by unwitting civilians you don't realize are in a movie. And at that point, you realize you've gone too far. <laughs> I think that's also part of the process, isn't it? Is to go, okay, now how do we push it too far? Yeah. It's when someone asks you who's going to play Rudy Giuliani and you sort of have a panic attack and say, <laughs> well, hopefully Rudy Giuliani. Um, but many times you, you, we think we've kind of, yeah, it's been too ambitious, I think. Yeah. And in the case of Rudy Giuliani, obviously you, you write scene, you write a scene that involves Rudy Giuliani doing utterly ludicrous things. And then people say, well, how are you going to do that? And you go, he's Rudy Giuliani, he'll probably do it. And he did. So that was great. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He went too far. That was the moment where I was like, yeah. this, guy's, yeah, this guy's going too far. It, it's, <laughs> it's so crazy. It's, like, it's hard to believe that this is like real. You're watching yeah. this and you guys orchestrated it. Like, yeah, that would, that I've would had people since saying... Why did you stop Rudy? I mean, I don't know if any other guys have had this. Like, people say, why did you stop Rudy? It was get And I thought, we, we, you can't, you just literally can't. Morally yeah. wrong yeah. to let that develop any further. And we, not, we had never any intention of that happening. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, he, he in, in his own way, he didn't disappoint. Wow. wow. What was the setup for that scene? Like, I guess like, like you got that you obviously got the camera crew like is the camera crew like having to play an act like when they show yeah, up on set act. i'll tell you the setup for that scene was and so we have okay so we we at we we'll write a scene and um, we want Rudy giuliani in a hotel room with tutar blah 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 and then you 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 literally reverse engineer and then you come up with well how do we get Rudy giuliani into that room with her and him not realizing what's going on and so for him 
we created a fake documentary called um, Keeping America Alive, How Trump Defeated COVID. <laughs> and oh and so God. then our field team put this together and we produced a sizzle reel for this documentary and with a voiceover. And it was uh, like a very somber American guy saying, where Trump saw an, an invisible enemy, the Democrats saw an invisible friend, and they've manipulated and spread this disease to hurt the Republicans. And that was the carrot oh that got to be involved. He wanted to be part of that documentary. And then actually COVID sort of helped us getting him alone in the room with her. We, we, we sort of said, well, for insurance reasons, we can only have two people in the room at all and locked off cameras it'll just be the two of you uh, and a bottle of whiskey. And, <laughs> and, and that, you know, creating that environment led to the scene happening. Oh my God. So are you got like, you're capturing this, this footage, you're ca ca uh, capturing this content live. Are you freaking out? Like, holy shit. Like he's completely freaking out. So we were in a hotel suite at the Mark hotel in, in Manhattan and I, I remember Jason Walliner and I trying to be quiet as mice in the room next door where we were like hidden essentially. And we had monitors in there. And, and the, the moment he lay on the bed and put his hands in his pants, like we literally fell onto the floor and, and we wanted to scream. But we, it was remarkable. Oh my God. <laughs> so is he, I'm sorry, is he blindly like signing a release form? Like, how does that work? Or are you guys getting sued up the ass with these no, people? He, he's signing a remarkable legal document. And he's a, he's a lawyer. Like you could, you can't feel sorry for him at all because he is a lawyer. That's the, that's the irony. At time of recording this, he's a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, as he demonstrated uh, in the weeks and months after that stuff, you know, yeah. you don't yeah. really, you know, we may have overachieved in getting him in the getting him in the room and and leaving him with a bottle of whiskey. I mean, I think he brings his own whiskey to most events and um, <laughs> proceeds to have mascara melting his face and all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, he he's uh, clearly not a cautious man. All right, oh the spray tans like just dripping down his face. <laughs> yeah, it turned out to be the weirdest thing he did that week. <laughs> <laughs> that week, all right. Wow. Oh, man. I mean, who, so who who pitches that idea and like in the room like when you guys are coming up with the, like this entire structure like and it's like, hey, what if we did this? What if we got Julian like really? We work. We have like a brilliant field team. So the, 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 there's a sort of very close liaison between the writers' room and a brilliant field producers who that we will we, come up with a creative idea and then our department essentially and, and the field department will uh come together and come up with a harebrained scheme to, <laughs> to sort of try and realize yeah. it were there any in the writing process was there any ideas that were like way too ambitious like were you ever like we got to get in the room with trump yeah, we definitely were shooting for way high. You know, we were trying to get him in the room with Trump. We tried to get her in the room with Trump, with uh, Trump Jr., all those people. But, I mean, when we got Giuliani, that was way high in a very exciting way. After we'd shot the Giuliani thing, we still had Maria sort of under the radar. He didn't, like, no photos have been posted. We had fake names, blah, blah, blah. And we were literally minutes from getting her in a room with wow. Trump. And we had another sort of post-credits Maria Trump thing where we embedded her with this um, right-wing news organi organization called One American News, which is Trump's favorite 
yeah. you know, to write a Fox outlet. And we had, we had Maria in the White House as a guest of One American News with this journalist called Chanel something or other. And she was moments- Chanel Rion. Yeah. Chanel Rion. And she was moments from getting Maria as, um, as a Kazakh journalist into the press briefing room where we had something planned. <laughs> and at the last minute, I think it was actually CBS News or one of the other mainstream media who who stopped it happening ironically because they called her out she had she doesn't have credentials and wait a minute chanel rion you just can't take any of your plus ones into the press briefing room and it was like literally we're five minutes from it happening oh, that would have been insane. maria if we hadn't blown it with the movie coming out maria could what well, by now would have a thriving career with a right-wing news network because she was kind of there she's she curious with us you could probably go back and do something else with giuliani actually just yeah. with with trump like you're just asking about trump like we you know with a movie like this you you've got a very detailed plot and a very detailed structure and a complete final draft you know, full documents and it looks like a screenplay. And we have a page where we've got, like, this is what happens. But obviously, you've got to have plans and backups and things like that and plan B and plan C and plan D and plan E. And, you know, luckily... I, I say as a, as a writing process, I'd say in a normal movie, maybe 70% of your screenplay might make it... Wow. ...some form. But this is like, I don't know, 20%. Oh, wow, 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 wow. That's insane. It's incredibly... You write the screenplay and then you're at the mercy of real life events. How do you write like, do you have like pinpoints in the conversation? Like we want the, you know, we want Sasha to show up and then we want him to end here. Yeah, we have a ton of, I mean, that's actually way more writing than you would think because we do a bunch of rehearsals with this could go this way or this way. So there's a mm -hmm. bunch of points that the actors have to actually hit. Um and they have to try to get things out of the other people. But they're, they're so well prepped, even though it seems like it's all improvised. I mean, it's so, there's so much writing that goes on behind the screen or behind the scenes of just getting them ready to interact with all of these people. Like Maria knew so much about the COVID virus before going in to meet with Giuliani. And they, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just really, we do so much writing and prepping them for it. It's also like you're, you're trying to kind of, you're not just trying to get comedic or even, you're trying to get comedic beats, you're trying to get satirical beats, you're trying to reveal something. But also in a movie like this, you're trying to get story turns. Yeah, yeah. And like you are trying to get, so it's, we've had scenes in the past where we've shot something that might be amazing or it might be hilarious, but it didn't give us the story turn that we needed. And we've sometimes had to reshoot that scene a few times. And in the first movie, when he met some frat boys, who picked him up on the side of the road and he was trying to get somewhere and he met with them and he, I think he had to get from them. He had, they had to tell him that Pamela Anderson was not a virgin and um, he had to, <laughs> and that was his devastating low point that would send him to a mega church. And we did it one time and it was an amazing, but we just didn't get the story turned. We had to do it again. You know? <laughs> How did you guys manage to get Sasha in like to, to lock down with these two conservative dudes for five days? <laughs> Like a lot of planning, <laughs> and like they're just okay with that. Brilliant production team, amazing people. Those those guys were just amazing too. Like the three days that, or however many days, I can't even remember. Yeah. It seemed like eight eight hundred days <laughs> that we were there. To our favor, it was like 
you know, they were conspiracy theorists. So <laughs> they are they are prone to sort of like buying into very yeah. strange yes. reality. Yeah. So that kind of works. Hillary drinks the blood of children, right? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that said, they were such nice fellows. They'd probably they'd probably done another week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they wanted to know. I mean, they would take. Jason, the director, aside regularly during shooting um, to say we're worried about this guy. They, it was very interesting for that because I think uh, what you know when, when we when we made this film, you know, you you know, you, you in the interim fourteen years, you have occasional conversations about should we do another one, and that's incredibly difficult, and do we want to risk the legacy of the first one? And it would always be why would you do another one? And this time round, it was like, and also it's like. Um, you know, what have you got to say? We exposed racism and sexism and anti-Semitism the first time. And this, that was, that to me, that scene was really great for like um, showing something else, which is you've got these guys that you assume are not nice people and they've got these crazy views that, and actually they turn out to be very decent guys. So it illuminates something else that we didn't do yeah. with the first movie. You show, you reveal goodness, you know, and I think yeah. they, they really cared yeah. about it. And they oh, were yeah. feminists. That's what I loved about it so much is that even yeah. though they had, they'd been fed all of this misinformation, they still really stood up for women and were feminists. Mm-hmm. And it was just, they were so sweet. And I'm really proud of that scene because it showed both sides of the conversation. Oh. Totally, totally. And that, and you, that totally comes across screen. Like you're watching these guys and you're expecting like these, like, yeah. you know, the stereotypical right wing white guy, like, and these guys actually end up being really sweet, and it's and, like, yeah, and it's they're, it's they're not the problem. Yeah, they're the yeah. victims. They're so the they're, victims. They're, That's they're true. They're just brainwashed by right, yeah. right. Echo chamber they live. They talked to him. He didn't end up in the movie. They they talked to him about the fact that because he's missing his daughter, and they're explaining to him like you've got feeling, you care about your daughter, and because it's Borat, he doesn't understand the idea of having feelings for your daughter unless they're inappropriate or in his culture you know Uh, but they all said they said i one of them said i have daughters i care i I love my daughters and you go it's it's really amazing to see that humanizing moment where you go it's like it's a unifying thing going back to like you're exposing all these people and all these you know and all their their hateful views and just their reactions as a lot of these uh you know scenarios do you guys get sued a lot by these people because they've been duped we don't get sued um and ironically, we kind of, and if on the occasions that there have been lawsuits, not one has been successful. And ironically, we sort of welcome lawsuits because one of the issues we found with our audience is that like, come off it, they're actors, that's not real, we don't believe it. Yeah. And lawsuits kind of serve to, to counter that misconception. Right, right, right. right. I'm going to sue Sasha. <laughs> that, that was gonna that was gonna be my next question is like have you ever have you ever been on set shooting and whoever this person is that you're you know highlighting in the scene the guy who works at fedex whatever um <laughs> have you ever have you ever had these people like wait a second <laughs> like what's going on here like they start to catch on that they're you guys are fucking with them and that's can i sorry i keep i keep jumping in but that's almost one of the key roles of the director in a movie like this. He's almost like this sort of uh, middleman between the guy who works in the fact store and this crazy guy with a moustache. And so his role is to sort of, sit, if, if it does get to that point, he'll sit him down and say he's nervous, he hasn't been on camera before, there's a language barrier here. Wow. He's acting strange because he senses that you're laughing at him, that you think he's a primitive... Uh, and and 
Yeah, it's, it's also I, one reason why when people say things like, because we still have people say, come on, those guys must have been like, come on, they must have been like, is that, um, uh, is that on the occasions, which does happen as well, what happens sometimes is people cotton on, but they're not that annoyed and they play along because they just think, I'm not going to look like an idiot. And you never use that material because you can tell when somebody's mm-hmm. playing along. You can tell when somebody's acting and they're for real. And even if they have moments, they get, like, you, like Anne said, uh, uh, Jason will talk to them and they come back on board. But you just, you cannot get somebody to do a, yeah. Yeah. an authentic, uh, believable, nobody fake is, thing. Yeah. Nobody is as good an actor as Janice the babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And it's like, it's implore. I mean, it's like, it's, People sort of say, oh, she must have been an actor. Well, where did we find this world <laughs> actor? Yeah. <laughs> Never also, it. I love it when it serves that line, when you see that look in their eyes like, is this, is this for real? And then carry on. Because if they don't equally, it looks like, oh, that, person's, that person might just not be smart enough to even know this is weird. So... I love it when it because it, it gives me the clarity that they've made, they've definitely made the choice to carry on with this. You know, <laughs> it's definitely it's like a testament to how polite Americans right, can yeah. be. Sort of like we're exposing the politeness of Americans to just put up with a bunch of stuff for a while. No offense to the British, but we we invented politeness. <laughs> Janice is amazing and one of the standout people in the movie because you know we talked earlier about like. A, you know, story turn come from a character like we we hope and we script and plan for something where they they change it or they turn it and she just came in and like she just wasn't taking any bullshit from Borat and she was great and she challenged him and she just basically I think the way and that's why we we, we didn't plan to come back to her at the end but she was no, so amazing yeah. when he first met her we thought you know we have to and then we wrote later down the line and we got her back and she was fantastic. Hey, but she was she she was kind of the turning point in the story, right? That Bor- yeah. Borat like realized that he's like, you know, that's my daughter, right? Yeah. yeah. And she also yeah, and she also like like yeah, I mean, I guess you can't really plan for these moments where she's going to tell uh Tatar that she, like how beautiful she is and that yeah. she doesn't look need the, the surgery. <laughs> it's like look in the mirror. Like that's you literally yeah, you can't write that. Like, yeah. Well, we had we had actually intended that to happen. We'd intended her to push back and tell Tutar, no, you shouldn't just uh, like blindly obey your father and women have uh, and should have the right to make their own decisions in life. And we, and we sort of chose her as someone we hoped would take that stance and she did and way beyond. And wow. to, to, and further to Peter's point, um, that scene at the end where Borat gets schooled by her and Borat's told, you feel bad because you are abusing your daughter and you're treating her like your property and that she should make the decision as to who she spends the rest of her life with. Um, That's an example of how we're sort of fluid in the writing process because initially Borat had gone to a psychologist. He had a pain in his chest, he goes to a doctor and a doctor tells him what you're experiencing is this perfectly normal phenomenon called parental love, which Borat had never heard of and had it explained <laughs> to him. And we, yes, we substituted the psychologist for uh, a roll of the dice with Janice again, in the hope that wow. in the sort of three months that had passed since we last visited her, she hadn't figured out who Borat was and she hadn't. How much, how much did that ruin like 
a moment on set where someone recognized Borat and they maybe yelled out or ruined a take. Did that ever happen? No, it nearly happened. Sorry, I keep jumping in. So the scene where Tutar... I like that you keep apologizing, but then doing nothing. It's that that (laughs) politeness coming in. The scene where Tutar um, is waiting for her father outside the plastic surgeon's office and then spots the women's group across the street in a hotel, and it's this Republican women's group, and um, it's just before she runs away. Initially, that scene was supposed to be her and Borat together, but about 20 minutes before we started rolling and before we brought Borat into the room, one of the women in that group said to one of our field producers, oh, by the way, the last time I took part in a documentary, um, I ended up being in a movie called Borat. Wow. What are the chances of that? So we realized that this, like, by some massive coincidence, that one of those, <laughs> that one of the women in that women's group, if you watch the first movie, she's the woman who has the yard sale at the first movie where Borat discovers the Pamela Anderson book. <laughs> and so of course, we couldn't wow. we then had to, uh, um, exclude Borat from that scene, and Maria did it solo. Oh, wow. So that was, that, what are, yeah, what are the chances? What are the chances? Yeah. yeah. Wild. Would you say, like, like, a situation like that, were there other moments that, like, you know, the just the people around you like influence the story by like you know either like saying something that inspired you to like whoa maybe we should move the story into this direction or maybe we should like pull back from this that happened a lot in the lockdown house actually where we initially went in with this idea of you know he's gonna terrorize them because they're awful and we're you know we're going to want to hate them. But as we were there over the time, we really started to like them and care about them and they cared about him and they were really loving. And so it evolved, that scene really evolved a lot more um, to be much more about how they were good guys and they were feminists and they were trying to help him and find his daughter. And I mean, we had this, this part where he was going to be having sex with one of their taxidermy deer heads. Yeah, it became more of a bonding experience than like the cuckoo in the nest that it, yeah, that it was planned to be, I suppose. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, the pictures of him with that deer that, I mean, it's just, yeah, but we cut that. I think it's true, like we had a, before that version, because everything, every one of these goes through a million iterations and debates and whatever. And we were going to do it, weren't we? I think we'd like, uh, and, and and we were going to do it with like incel guys, like much more of those hardcore combat fatigue, <laughs> furious <laughs> virgin right. men. They were yeah. going to build a medieval sort of medieval trap, like yeah. incel guys, <laughs> yeah. and they were, they were going to lure to, uh, into a like some medieval trap, like a trebuchet. Like, or yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? We we're going to put onions. We we're going to put onions, and then he oh, was going to jump on her with a net. Yes. Another example, I'd say another example of uh, events that happened subsequently altering and affecting the story is actually the CPAC sequence now, which which is currently sort of sort of the midpoint of the movie. But originally CPAC was going going to be the end and the, the, the moment where he's running through CPAC and ends up on the main floor of the conference with Tutar on his shoulders was, was initially supposed to be after he's rescued her from the Giuliani hotel room. 
and he goes in and rescues her. They flee together. She, she trips over, knocks herself out. He's forced to pick her up and carry her and then ends up unwittingly on the main floor of CPAC. <laughs> and we shot that part. We shot the escape thing. We still had the hotel room thing to, to shoot. But then COVID happened. And so we couldn't shoot a hotel room that matched like it was at CPAC and blah, blah, blah. And we sort of thought, oh, CPAC's a bust. We're never going to use any of that footage. But then reviewed it in the edit, realized we had this great moment of him running into the auditorium and, and Pence making a sort of brilliant sort of one-liner about COVID denial. And we, we figured out a way of not, wasting that footage yeah right. he was I'm, saying how he had it completely under control yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. we got like 15k no, that, right. that, that didn't age well at all no um no. <laughs> I, i'd say that like this doing the first movie and this one but more the first movie was for me i think i think for everyone else well the best schooling in writing a screenplay because like you can do like theoretical courses you can do like you know mckee and all that <laughs> and you can learn about this and midpoints and and you know, but like the actual the chaos <laughs> of yeah. writing the story and then filming it and then the edit and you find so much of it you find the story in it or whatever like that and you just go oh those those principles do do work but yeah. we found them through almost like trial and error. well not trial and error but you find them through this just doesn't work here so we've had scenes in both movies that we've gone this is the best thing we've ever written this is the best thing we've ever shot and then they just don't make it into the movie because wow. they don't work anywhere in the story. And uh, it's just a really good, you know, it just, it, the, yeah. the whole movie, both movies completely follow, you know, screenplay and story movie yeah, structure. Yeah, like you have a, you have a great storyline. It's a father and daughter coming together. But on yeah. top of that, it's like you've put these, these movie characters in the real world. And that's what's, yeah. that's what blows wow. my mind. It's like, a, it's like an impossible task. So how much prep goes into something like this? How many years of development and planning goes into a movie like this? Years, and then it all gets tossed up in a ball. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, I it's mean... It's insane. Six months plus, I think, before we actually get out and shoot. Um, a lot. Wow. It's not... It's... You have to combine the initial writing process, you write a screenplay, then you have to factor in that the majority of that screenplay will not end up on the screen because the headwinds you're going up against shooting in the real world are prohibitive. And then you have to literally book these events, find these people, get accreditation to go to CPAC, get there's logistics. And if they don't exist, create them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And if they don't exist, create these events. So it's crazy. Like, yeah, you're, you're shooting into the pandemic and yeah. that literally changes right. your ending. Right. Like yeah, that's yeah. the biggest curveball. The whole third act, yeah. That's the biggest curveball of all, really, yeah. because yeah. W- 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 when you're because we'd we'd stopped as everyone else did, and then you know made the decision to go not just with COVID in play, but also with COVID in mind, and to try and right build COVID itself into the story, because otherwise it would have been weird to come out with a movie this year or last year that, that, that was seemingly shot in the real world that didn't talk about it. You know, like, I mean, for me, we were like, we were, all, we were all hearing it, like, you know, COVID this, COVID that, like, no one ever really thought anything, like, was going to come of it. But, like, were you guys like, okay, in case this happens, let's go and let's shift in this direction? Or, like, were there other scenarios that you guys were, like, kind of throwing out? Like, yeah, in case COVID becomes a thing where that everyone's a lockdown. 
like we can keep doing this or we were kind of in denial a little bit until yeah. We were COVID deniers. Still are. No, um. we were. We were for like after like two weeks into being shut down. We were sort of resigned to the fact that we may get to finish this movie at some point in 2021 when COVID has literally gone away. Mm. And then we realised that can't happen because the, the sort of thrust of this movie. Is, is sort of an anti-Trump statement. And we, we, we were just 100% realized one way or another, this movie must come out before the election. Well, it, was so tr- it was so trippy watching that movie because you, it, you, like, you were living it too. Like, you know, yeah. you go outside and you're wearing a mask. You, yeah. you turn on the TV and one moment, no mask. The next scene, everyone's wearing masks. It was just really bizarre. It was a really crazy experience for as far as like movies go. And and then you guys released it when? Like it all, all within the same year, right? How did you pull that off? <laughs> the post team was just relentless. Wow. I mean, so many editors and so going through all of this footage and they were crazy. We were creating stories in post. I mean, it was just Amazing. The flexibility of just everyone on the crew and working so hard and, you know, going to, okay, wait, uh, there's a white nationalist rally. Let's get over there. You know, just like crossing the country to go to these various terrifying events. Um, it was just every, everybody just really came together and worked together in a really Without actually being way. together. <laughs> Yeah, without we would be in the same hotel, but no one would ever leave their rooms because wow. we weren't allowed wow, to. Same. So it was just, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, it, someone's gonna watch this movie in like thirty years and and think that was like written in the script, like the whole global pandemic. I mean, we had a version of it. We did have a version of a movie, and I remember, like, I remember very clear memories of conversations where, like, the studio or the studio we were at the time, like, right, we're gonna put this out in April of 2021. Um, and, and like Ant said, like the movie existed to, 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 to resist Trump. Yeah. And so yeah. it would have been so weird. A movie that didn't mention COVID. I mean, that was a, it was probably never going to happen, but that was a conversation for about eight minutes. This movie will go out in April and it won't do, and it won't be anything to do with COVID. Yeah. And that would have been a very strange movie in the end. You know, it might have yeah. been perfectly functional and funny, but it would have been irrelevant. And right. so it was right. so important to get it out. You know, acknowledge COVID, embrace COVID, and then actually happen and come out before before um, Trump left. Um, one thing I was wondering, so all of us, we're, we're a bunch of brothers. There's like about eight of us, like uh, seven brothers, one brother-in-law. We have our own film production company, and then we do this as like a side thing. But we were wondering, like, how do you guys, like, it's so hard for us just to like, shoot out ideas and then you land on an idea and get shut down and stuff like that. Like there's eight writers and we kind of relate to it in a sense. So it's like, how did, how, what was the writing process like as far as like taking like, Oh, like what's like, that's the best idea. Let's go with that. I think, I guess we're quite instinctive, aren't we? What makes us laugh in the room yeah. tends to be the biggest signifier. Mm. Um, Cause it's always hard to remember what made you laugh afterwards. So obviously 
we have a coded system for writing down what made us laugh in the room. Coming into this, having not known all of these guys forever, um, they've all been working together for hundreds of years. (laughs) And so as both an American and a woman coming in on this, it was just so much fun seeing this system that all of these guys have had, which is just a lot of screaming at each other and talking over each other and crazy British references that I don't know who half of these politicians are or I don't get any of these commercials. But just like trying to get a voice in there occasionally, it was just it was just fun to see their whole system, but that they were still open to um, new ideas and especially lady ideas. No, um, but it's awesome. definitely one of the yelliest rooms <laughs> I've ever been in. I, I love that you called it a system. That's that's real <laughs> flattery. <laughs> It's going to be yeah. not like the method, it's the system. Yeah. 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 Shouting in British accents. But also one of the key things is that every scene has to be written five times. Mm. And that, that that is pretty good in terms of like road testing and kicking the tyres on the comedy of something, wow. is returning to it and then returning to it again. Because a two-minute scene in the movie is probably three hours of shooting, so yeah. there's always... Wow room for <laughs> we're not sort of squabbling over the three lines that go into this scene there's literally in the writing process is yeah. 300 do so, you guys yeah. did you guys write like a traditional script like in a tr- like the traditional format or was it like just like a yeah. Beat? yeah 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 final wow. draft script yeah it's actually out online i didn't realize until and, recently <laughs> and and hundreds of revisions of it i think we went wow. we were renting new colors and like yeah it was, we were in it was like a quad quadruple yeah. golden rod or something <laughs> heliotrope isn't it double heliotrope or something like that like, yeah. Yeah. so so uh one last question and we'll let you guys go. Thank you for your time. Um, you're writing you're writing the script and you're writing hundreds of different revisions and drafts. Are you like you're you're satisfied with it and in any part in your head, are you like none of this is gonna make it in there? <laughs> you uh, know? All the time. Yes. All the time. I, mean, I after twenty years of doing this, there are, I'm still I th- you know, I'm still at that point where I think this is funny in a writer's room, but come on, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> this is an exercise in futility because this is not going to happen. And then I keep getting proved wrong and it happens. I mean, for example, that the, when the lockdown guys then go with Borat to a, like a, a, a right-wing rally and Borat gets on stage and sings a song and to, that was written and scripted and planned. And that was one example where I thought, there's no way. Wow. <laughs> it's yeah. incredible. I, bit my, I, I held my tongue this time. When we were doing the TV show, Who's America? My catchphrase was almost like at the end of every day. Well, that was great. You know, never going to happen, but thanks so much. Everyone. You know, like <laughs> nobody's going to do that, but it's been yeah. fun. So and this how, time I was like, who knows? <laughs> how, how much of this film is preparation and how much of it is just pure luck? There's luck. There's definitely luck in there. There's bad luck as well. (laughs) Um, But I think it's just, it's basically preparing. It's all just being ready and preparing for luck. And I think like, you know, the other thing as well, not that it's luck, you know, but with Maria, you know, um, I think it was amazing that she, you know, you look back and you think, oh, this movie, oh yeah. And for this movie to work, we just have to find somebody basically (laughs) as good as Sasha at a job that only Sasha appears to be able to do in the world. So there doesn't need yeah. to be anyone else who can do that thing as well. And then somebody to go head to head. 
And I think, and obviously, like, you know, the, there was a gigantic, uh, gigantic casting process for that. And at the end of it, you get somebody like Maria, who was just incredible and plausible and hilarious and brave and likeable and all those things and was just whatever. And you think that always feels like it's not quite luck, but it's just, wow, that happened. Because you just didn't know, because that's the giant risk is to do another one of these movies where Sasha, where Borat shares the screen with somebody else. Would you guys, would you recommend any, like that anyone tries to go out and make a movie like this or just stick to traditional filmmaking? <laughs> only if you have an amazing field team. Yeah. That's the only, yeah. the yeah. only oh, way. Yeah. Awesome. Don't go out and find your own racist. Yeah. <laughs> Let someone else find your racist for you. Yeah, I, I heard uh, Sasha was wearing a bulletproof vest at that uh, that rally. Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's and a bulletproof terrifying. speaker as well, wasn't he? He had like a giant speaker that was like a, you know, it was, I think it was designed to withstand rocket attacks. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I will say though, Israeli bodyguards; those are the ones to get. If you're in the market for bodyguards, yeah, <laughs> I always, always always looking for someone to. <laughs> Always looking for protection. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Anthony, Erica, Peter, and Dan. This yes. has been awesome. And I'm still, I'm like, I'm blown away how you even pulled something like this off. And uh, I can't wait for Bo- Borat 3. <laughs> Borat we'll 3. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Good luck. We can, we can wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank, thank you guys. You guys. Pleasure thank speaking you. with you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Bye.